What do you think about this? Well, you're wrong about that, but I'm glad you shared. <laughs> That's usually how it turns out with me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Listen to Brother Ron Olivier talking at my, my dad's wake. And uh, he would say, you know, uh, I, loved, I loved Pastor Warren. And he was just such a man of faith and man of God. He said all kinds of good things. And he said, I just loved it because I could come up to him at any time. And, and he would just love to talk about things that God had shown me. And I would come up to him and I said, I was reading in the scriptures. And, and I finally, I finally found out, you know, what this scripture is all about. And, and I would share with him and he would say, no, you're wrong about that. <laughs> like my dad was pretty good for that. But you know what? Our Heavenly Father is pretty good about that too. And sometimes when we think we've got it all figured out. He comes along. And he says, yeah, well, this is what I really meant by that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just, this is what it means for your life right now. Mm -hmm. Amen. Have you, ever, have you ever run across a scripture where it was good for you at one day? Years later, you came across the same scripture and it was good for you at that time, mm -hmm. too, in a completely different way? Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, well, God's got no problem doing it. Mm -hmm. um, a, a teacher from out in... California area named Chuck Missler. He, he used to always talk about holograms. Mm. Don't go to sleep on me now. Okay? okay he's like, Hologram? Oh, no, I ain't gonna listen to that. No. <laughs> She's alright. She knows I'm, she knows I love her. Amen. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. No, but um, no, no, seriously. He would talk about a hologram or a holograph, technically. What, what that is, it's a, it's a picture where they use laser light to uh, photograph an object. And the same laser will expose, or the same series of lasers will expose a piece of photo strip. Everybody with me so far? Yep. Okay, and here's the thing. If you took that piece of exposed paper after it was developed and looked at it, it wouldn't really look like much. It looked like a bunch of weird, disjointed you know, squiggles of light. And, well, if you have the same laser that actually exposed it, shine upon the holograph. Not a hologram, it is a different thing, but I'm not gonna get into that right now. But if you look at it, you'll, you'll perceive a 3D image on a two-dimensional piece of paper. We've probably all seen that. First time I ever saw that was in a National Geographic uh, way back in the 80s. And uh, yeah, I'm, I am that old. And, uh, but uh, National Geographic, it was a picture of an eagle you, you, and you turn you turn the page and it looks like you're actually turning the eagle, the statue of an eagle. And it was really cool. Well, I didn't know how they did it. Well, they had to modify that so that you can see it in natural light. They had to do some special things. But a real holograph, you have to light it up by the light that exposed it in the first place. Everybody with me so far? I'm not, I'm not too deep into the science, am I? Okay. Well, what happens is a crazy thing happens with uh, a holograph is you can actually cut it in half and still see the whole image. Now that's kind of like, eh, well, how do you do that? It's because it was, it was exposed by all these lasers that come at it in different angles. So you might have less resolution, but you'll have the same image. Everybody following me so far? So what happens is the Word of God is often like that. It's the whole image was given to us by God. Amen. The Word Amen. of God. Yep. The light of God poured out. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so it's all laid out here. But sometimes we only know a little piece. Right. You know, sometimes we, you know, I'm sure none of us in the room has every bit of it memorized, right? Right. But I'm also sure every one of us in the room have some of it memorized. Right. You know, some maybe more than others, but I guarantee you there's somebody, everyone in this church, you can quote at least one scripture. So we're going to go around the room, start with, no, I, oh, no, don't scare. It's like, no, it's not scary to quote the word of God. Amen. You should quote it to yourself all the time and learn more and put more in every single day. Amen. What, what happens if you don't know the exact perfect scripture in the Bible that deals with your situation where you are right now? Well, don't worry, because we have the Spirit. Mm -hmm. We have the Holy Ghost that makes the Word alive in our heart. We, if you will just read it, I mean, we're, we're getting out of the realm of memorization right here. If you'll just read this with consciousness, 
In other words, don't just like, okay, I did, my, I did my homework for today, right? But you read it, and you'll let the stuff go into you. Right. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Right? In case you're wondering, that's in Psalm 119. All right, that's verse 129 and 130. Uh, I just spoke that at random, but isn't it amazing how it applies to what we're talking to right here? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not an accident. You know, it was a random page flip. And yet the Lord can speak to us out of a couple of verses right here, right now. Right, yeah. It's not, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Why? It might have less resolution. It might be cut a little piece out of the whole, but you can still see the whole image. Right. If, if, if you're willing to see it by the light that God gave it in the first place. Amen. Praise God. So you may not know the exact perfect scripture for your situation. But you have this, this spirit of the living God that will light up the entire word in every part of it that you need. Praise God. John, uh, John 14, 26. Spirit of truth will lead us in all truth. Yep. Right? It also says, and he will bring back to our remembrance. I'm not quoting it right, but he'll bring to our remembrance all things which he's spoken to us. Amen. I rely on that, folks. I rely on that. Amen. I think uh, some people think I have a better memory than I actually do. I think what it is is the Holy Ghost Amen. is better at bringing things right. up than I am. Amen. In fact, I don't just think that I know that. Amen. You know, when we, when we get into a place where we're about to deliver the Word of God, uh, we, step, we step into another Praise God. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Say amen. 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 Praise God. You know, you, you step into another place, yes. especially when you do it with intention. Okay, God has told me to speak. I will speak. I will open my mouth and speak. I don't care if it's two words or 50,000. I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. Amen. Right. Amen. And unfortunately, we get the idea that only preachers or pastors or speakers or teachers, evangelists, whatever, they, they're the only ones that can do that. No. You can walk up to someone and tell them what the Lord told you to tell them. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's two words. Be good. Right? No. No, no. no we that those are always those are always a good word. But God will give you a word. God will give you a word. That's what we try to encourage every service. We want you to come in with the expectation that you might feel, oh, I don't know, I'm not real spiritual. Well, there's an easy uh, there's an easy fix to that. Get spiritual. Right. Amen. How do you get spiritual? Well, you do spiritual things. <laughs> That's a spiritual thing to read your Bible. Right? Yes, amen. It's a spiritual thing to pray. Yes. Hallelujah. Do at least one good deed a day. No, no, we're not going to do that. That's a, that's a worldly idea. If I do at least one good thing a day, then, eh, give me a break. You know, none of us are good enough to do a good thing a day, right? If, but be led by the Spirit, you know? If I pray at least five minutes a day, well, try to pray without ceasing. Hallelujah. How about walking in the light? Right. Walking by the word. I mean, every part of it. Is it possible to do that? It might not be possible in this current moment, but it is possible. Right. Right? It is yep. possible to live by the word. It is possible to walk by the spirit. It is possible to pray without ceasing. A lot of times it's just a matter of how we define prayer for ourselves. Yep. Prayer is a time where I have to get in, in this position and, and I have to put my hands like this and I have to close my eyes and I have to start off by saying, Heavenly Father, you know, uh, let, let your will be done all in all that good. Not, well, that's not prayer. That's just religion right there. Right. Yep. Prayer is when we're connecting. Mm -hmm. It took me a lot of years to realize that when I was driving around the road upset about something, and just calling out to God, Lord, God, why do I have to go through this? Mm -hmm. Took me a lot of years to realize I'm in prayer. Yes, that's right. See, I didn't think those sessions were prayer. Because I'm, I feel like I'm doing really more complaining than anything else. Anybody ever been there besides yep. me? Yes. yes. Probably all of us at one time or another. Mm -hmm. We just, just calling out to God, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand why you put this situation in my life. I don't understand why you won't get me out of this situation. I don't understand why life has to be this. My goodness, why did Adam have to sin in the first place? True. Anybody ever pray yeah. that one? I've prayed it plenty of times. Lord God, you know, 
Did anybody ever have a child or remember when you were a child asking your parents, why can't we just be born knowing everything? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever do that one? Yeah. I certainly did. Why? I hated going to school. <laughs> it, it was, I mean, I didn't wonder about that when it was time to go play or when it was time to learn the rules of a new game. I never stomped my little foot and said, why can't I have just been born knowing everything? No, I was excited to learn. I was excited to play with my friends, right? Yep. But when it came time to do something we just don't want to do, all of a sudden it's, oh, why can't we just know everything already? Who cares if the Spanish Mar- Armada was in 1588? Right? Who cares if the Magna Carta got signed in 1215? I, I, can, I can do a dozen of them, okay? I can just spit them off like popcorn. popcorn, popcorn. Ain't bragging, I'm just telling you. Uh, I, I, those facts don't do me any good, by the way. They're just floating around here. I don't know what they're in there for. I don't know what it's going to help me to do, but uh, they're just in there. And we all have stuff like that, by the way, just floating around in there, and it makes us wonder, why did I have to ever go learn about that in the first place? Doesn't make any sense. It does. But we're we're not going to get into that today. When we're praying, it's, it's not a certain position. It's not a certain sequence of words. It's an attitude of the heart. Amen. So when we're praying without ceasing, it means we stay in communion. We stay in communion. Praise God. Can I be in communion with God while I'm eating Taco Bell? Well, if you're eating Taco Bell, it's probably an indication you weren't in communication. You know, because I can't imagine God telling anybody to eat Taco Bell. Okay? There's plenty of good Mexican restaurants out there. Go eat at one of them. Uh, Leave Taco Bell alone. Uh, That's just a... I think I found that out of Second Opinions chapter 2. <laughs> Somewhere in there. I'll find it. I'll find it. But, no, you know, yes, it is possible. It is possible. Why do we break communication with God? A lot of times it's because there's things we want to do. There's things we want to do. What the Lord wants is he wants a relationship. Yep. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care how old you are, how educated, how smart, how uh, whatever you are. Rich, doesn't matter. Every single one of us, we have a relationship. Right. Yep. We have a relationship at least with ourselves, right. if nobody else. But since you're all in this room together with, with me, uh, and I know every one of you, that means you have a, a relationship with at least one guy in this room. Right? right? Yep. And the truth is, is you know, we spent time over in your fellowship. We all uh, have relationships with each other. We all know each other. But my point simply is this. We already know what a relationship is. We all know that there's, this this is where it gets tough, folks. We all know that there are rules to every relationship. More than likely, more than likely, now I'm not saying it's beyond the realm of possibility, but more than likely, last Friday, when your boss handed you your paycheck, you probably didn't give him a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. Anybody? Unless your boss is like your wife, you know, which if that's the case, come and talk to me after church and we'll straighten you out on that. But, uh, ain't that right? (laughs) Come on, God is good for you. Let me me do it this way. Unless your boss is your uncle, you probably didn't give him a a big hug and a kiss on the cheek for giving you your your week's paycheck for for, uh, services rendered, right? right? Probably not. So there are, there are rules to a relationship, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you probably uh, didn't shake the hand of the police officer that gave you a ticket for going 15 miles over the speed limit. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Really appreciate you. Hey, love you, man. You, we probably didn't do that. We probably just went, yeah, thanks. Uh, or maybe not even thanks. You know, after all, we're the ones that were speeding. He happens to catch us. And... Uh, uh, it's not really his fault. He was out there to catch you. Know, he's got a commission from our cities uh, or towns to do that, or our states, whatever. So, <laughs> and yet, we don't thank him for trying to keep our roads safe. Right. That's not really the first thought in our brain. Oh, we're thinking of us, oh man, how am I going to pay this? <laughs> or the nuisance of having to pay it. 
Mm -hmm. I, we got, I got a big ticket in, what was it, Canada or New York? Could have been Canada, because this was recently. New York. New York, yeah, Bainbridge. Bainbridge, New York, well, that was the county seat anyway. And uh, I got a ticket somewhere in, it was March, because we were coming back uh, from the Indiana trip. And uh, I didn't get, I sent, um, no, no, I didn't get the mail-in ticket until August. So I'm thinking, I, I, my paperwork got lost. Praise God, because I knew that was a, an expensive ticket. Well, about the time where I'm thinking, this thing's, I ain't never going to get this. It comes in the mail around August, and they say, you, you got to have this turned in by like uh, such and such a date, like three weeks in advance. It's like, really, you took five or whatever months it was to get this thing to me, and you're going to tell me I got to get it back to you in three, month, uh, three weeks? You better, yeah, you better do it. Or you're just going to end up paying more, or you're going to end up uh, sweating every time you have to drive through that particular state, right? Mm -hmm. But my only point with these silly stories is it's a relationship. Yeah. When, that, when that police officer comes up to your window and says, license and registration proof of insurance, you know, you, you are entering into a relationship with this man. Mm -hmm. And through him, a relationship with the authorities of his particular city state, uh, or, or state, right? Mm -hmm. You may not like the relationship, but there are rules to it. If you get out of your car, what is he going to say? Sir, get back in your vehicle. Yes, there are rules. Why? Because he doesn't know if you have a gun and you're going to try to shoot him. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to honor, honor all that stuff. I'm just saying there are rules to it. And we all kind of, if we don't know him now, Experientially, we will learn them. Mm -hmm. All right. My brother was just telling me a couple weeks ago about how this huge six foot five uh, police officer from uh, North Attleboro. I remember this guy. This guy was massive. Um, he, uh, his friend, got pulled over, and he was standing outside of the car. This other, this huge police officer pulled up after the fact that my brother had already been uh, processed. He'd already been searched by the arresting officer, and uh, he was taking care of the driver because the driver was getting arrested. And uh, my brother was doing, hanging around some guys that weren't doing some good things. And uh, he's just standing there next to the car, just kind of like, okay, wonder where we go from here. This police officer wrote, burned in, jumped out of his car, picked up my brother like one of these wrestling uh, uh, moves, and slams his back against the hood of, of his car, dented the hood of his car. And my brother had already been processed. Well, we might not like that kind of thing, but uh, from the police officer, the, the Johnny-come-lately police officer, you know, he didn't know the situation. All he knew is this guy's over here arresting this guy, and this guy's outside of the car, right? Mm -hmm. So he comes in, I'm going to take care of this guy. This guy's not going to get the upper hand on my partner here, whatever. I don't know what he was thinking, but he obviously thought something was going on. Again, I'm not defending such actions. The guy was a jerk. The guy didn't even ask. The other, the other police officer says, no, 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 leave him alone. He's, he's cool, he's cool. You know, and they made him get back to his car. You know, it's a relationship. It might be a brief relationship, but it's a relationship. Have I made the point well enough? Mm -hmm. Okay. When you say that to me, that tells me, move on, Pastor. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6. We're in a relationship with God. This should be the most important and the longest-term relationship you'll ever have in your life. Amen. David goes so far as to say, when my mother and my father forsake me, you never will. Mm -hmm. I'm not quoting that exactly right in King James English, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. I mean, our relationships with our parents should be solid, but the Bible says when they forsake me, yep. God never will. That's right. Never, ever will. It should be your longest. I mean, uh, Jesus went so far as to say, if you do not hate, and he starts giving a list. Anybody know where I'm going with this? <laughs> Fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. I don't know if he had wives in there. But uh, he said, why does he tell me to love my wife here and then basically tell me to hate? No, he's not telling us to hate anybody. What he's saying is if you have put them in a relationship more important 
than our relationship, then you need to relegate them into a hate relationship until I can properly align all your relationships. So would God really tell us to do that? He did. It's in the Word. Now there's, there, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with loving your mother and your father. Else he never would have said, honor your mother and your father. Okay? There's nothing wrong with loving your wife and your kids. Else he never would have said, husbands love your wives. And provoke not your children to anger, right? Everybody with me? It's all in there. There's no contradictions. I think we can all get to the point where we can agree in unity. There's no contradictions in the Word. Amen. Then why are we bringing up this stuff? Well, it's because it's there and these questions come up. We're in a relationship, and a relationship always has rules. But that's counterintuitive a lot of times because we often think of a relationship being an emotional thing. It's not always. You may not have a heavily uh, or a heavy emotional relationship with uh, your boss. Let's pick on bosses again. You may not, I mean, when I was... uh, when I was uh, briefly living in Woonsocket years ago, there was a cross guard that, uh, I don't know why I'm using these examples, these are just the ones that come to mind, so maybe it's gonna speak to someone's life. Everybody cool so far? Mm-hmm. All right, I, I lived on Social Street in Woonsocket. I lived right across the street from the George Street School. It's not there anymore, but it used to be right behind the, uh, I think it's All Saints Parish over there, I think it's All Saints, anyway. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was a school, uh, I did not like the school. I did not like it at all. People up here were so weird compared to pe- the people I was accustomed to down south. Um, you know, our lunchroom was in the basement of this old, nasty-smelling building. And uh, they, they did weird things like slather butter all over white bread. Huh? We didn't do that in the south. And we put butter on cornbread. <laughs> that's, the, that's what you're supposed to do. Right, and, and you, you crumbled up your cornbread and you, you mixed it all in your food and you had a great time with it. Anyway, um, but up here they actually took white bread and they put, it's, it's not toasted bread now, it's just white wonder bread and they slather like these big thick slices of butter on there. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I mean, you, you ever have bread, so much butter on your bread, you bite into it, you see your teeth marks? Yeah. <laughs> That's the, and in this, you know, they, they had a bowl of shells, you know, pasta, just basically pasta and sauce. And, uh, well, I, come, I came from an area of the world that we didn't eat a lot of pasta. The pasta we ate was basically spaghetti, you know, and maybe a little bit of American chop suey, you know, maybe a little bit of that every once in a while. But other than that, we didn't eat pasta. We ate spaghetti. We didn't eat, we, I'd never even heard the word pasta until I moved up north. And one day at lunch, they're serving me a bowl of shells and sauce with a buttered piece of bread that had so much butter on it, I could see my teeth marks in it. And I'm just like, is this helping you, sister? <laughs> anyway, you know, what am I getting at? Well, I'd go over there. Everything was so weird. I hated going over there. I hated going to school anyway. But, uh, you know, every day, I would, I would not take the cross, cross area Right in front of the house I was living in. I was living in my Uncle Ernie's house uh, right there on Social Street. Um, and uh, there was a crosswalk right like pretty much in front of his house. I would go down to the actual George Street crosswalk. I don't know why, but the visibility was better. And it seemed like it was easier to cross there. I don't know why. It just was. And so I would walk all the way down there. But here's the problem. They didn't have a crossing guard down there. They had, at a certain time of the day, I don't know why they did it this way. It seemed like the, the, the woman would come out there like five minutes before school started. And uh, she'd, then she'd come out with a little sign and, and wave her with her little white gloves, wave the cars off. But I hated trying to cross Social Street. I, I learned something when uh, I moved up north for the first time as a fourth grader, I learned that kids in Woonsocket do not look both ways before they cross. They just walk out into the road. I was taught, you look both ways. You know, you make sure there's nothing coming and you go. And uh, I would be sitting on the corner. Car here, car here, car here. I can't cross. And these kids would just start walking and cars would stop. They would never even look. They'd just keep on walking. I'm like... These kids are bold. I don't know if bold's the right word, but you know they would do it, and I would be stuck on the corner. I mean, I'm, 
I didn't have a watch, I don't think, but I'm think I'm getting all nervous. School's going to start and I'm going to be late because I can't cross the street. And that school's right across the street. <laughs> well, like five minutes before school would start, crossing guard would show up. She would never show up on the George Street School. She'd always sh uh, show up on the Privilege Street. Uh, is it Privilege? Yeah. Anyway, I think it's Privilege Street. Anyway, she would uh, uh, show up right, right up there at the Privilege Street cross. And... Uh, I learned to have, for the two months I went to that school, I learned to have a relationship with that woman. And it was very brief, but I saw her every day, and she was my best friend. Why? Because she was the person with the sign that said, you have to stop. You know, and I could just cross with ease, you know. But a relationship has a rule, right? Every, everything has a rule. It's not just an emotion, but there always is some emotional content. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I think we can all uh, know where I'm going here. Chapter, uh, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Did I say Deuteronomy 6? Yes. Okay. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. When you hear statements like this, we're about to enter into a relationship. A relationship with the Word, a relationship with the living God that the Word is talking about, a relationship. We're starting to understand something about this. this we're, at this point, we're not into a heavy emotional content yet, because after all, so many things have to be defined. Hear, O Israel. Well, I'm not Israel, so do I have to listen? <laughs> Let's just leave that subject alone right now and just let me answer, yes, you should listen. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in another day. But right now, hero Israel. So we have to understand we are a spiritual Israel through faith in God. We are spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham, right? Okay. Amen. So even though I said I wasn't going to explain it, there's a quick explanation. The Lord our God is one Lord. There's a lot of things there that we can make doctrines out of. But a relationship is not full of doctrines. Yeah. It's really not. Religion is. A relationship is not. A lot of times, what we'll do is we'll look at a particular scripture and we'll, our minds will automatically start trying to figure out where, in what slot, in what doctrinal slot this scripture needs to fall into. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yep. You may not have the same kind of mind I have. You may not have the same kind of temperament and personality I have. So you may not approach things the same way I do. But uh, I think this goes across the board, okay? Whether you're analytically thinking about it or more emotionally kind of dealing with it, what we do is we try to figure out what category every scripture we read goes into. Unfortunately, we only have like 15 categories. Some of you more, some of you less, maybe. Um, years and years ago, I got completely disillusioned with the mainstream apostolic doctrine. It doesn't mean I don't believe in Acts 2.38. It doesn't mean I don't believe in the oneness of God. It doesn't mean I, I don't believe any of that. Anybody cool with that? Yep. I do believe in repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. I do believe in the evidence of the free gift of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. Amen. All right? I do believe that God is one Lord. These are doctrines I believe, but what I got disillusioned with is that seemed to be the only thing that ever got taught. Not, not necessarily in this church, but it seemed like that's what we pushed. That's all we pushed. That's all we pushed. A seasoned saint sitting on the pew 40 years would come up to me. Well, maybe not 40 years, maybe more like 20. They'd come up to me, shake my hand after every service that I preached Acts 2.38. I'm looking at this person like, you should be beyond Acts 2.38. It's always going to be your foundation. But you should be beyond the foundation after 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I just got, I didn't hate the word. I got angry at the fact that we only seem to have five categories. You've got the three categories of Acts 2.38, which we have other scriptures to go along with it, of course. In fact, every scripture in the Bible is going to fit somewhere within these five categories, or we're going to force it to, even if it doesn't fit. Okay, one of the categories is the re revelation of the, of the Godhead, which our version of that revelation is oneness. We're oneness believers. Praise God, hallelujah, thank God, we're the only ones going in. 
So a scripture like this, we would take and would say, okay, bam, that's easy. Says it right there. We hang it on our wall, it's so important. You know? That's a wonder scripture. So we just go ahead and put that in our oneness category. We don't think about it any other time. Sorry, folks, it's what happens. You may not know what you're, you're, you're doing that, but that's what happens a lot of times. Instead of looking at it and saying, okay, what is God trying to tell me here? And how does this increase my relationship with Him? The Lord our God is one Lord. Well, we're just using this as an example because we're really trying to get to the next verse. You know, the other one is, is usually, depending on what church you go to, usually holiness standards. That's the fifth slot. Okay, so if I can't fit it into a repentance, a baptism, or a Holy Ghost slot, I'll try to fit it into a oneness slot. And if I can't fit it in there, I'll see if there's anything left over to, to, to slam into that a holiness standard slot, right? We do that stuff. True. Well, God is infinite. God doesn't have just 15 categories. Right. Most of the categories of God, we don't even yet know. Right. Thank God we have a few. Amen. All right. Amen. So what we do is we move on. Verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And he goes on to say a lot of good things. With all of your heart. With all of your heart. With all of your heart. You know, that's a word in Hebrew that means your innermost part. With all of your soul. That's a part that, that that's a word in Hebrew that is very hard to find, but it basically refers to the entire scope of our life. Everything that is life in us. So we're talking about the innermost part of our being, talking about that thing which is our life. And then the last word is translated as might. That's not a bad translation. Don't, don't let me uh, uh, mislead you. It's not a bad translation, but in, when we place it in with the other two words, it gives us the idea that it's our outflows. It's the things that are outside of us that are connected to us. In other words, uh, our families, our incomes, right? The things that we do, our, our, our work, our ministry, things that flow out of us, even our words. Things that come forth. So we're talking about all the way in. We're talking about the full scope of our life and the things that come forth from us. All right? So in all aspects of our life, we are to love God. Well, here, here's another problem. These scriptures like this should not be something that we're trying to neatly fold into a file folder. It should always get us to think because they're so broad. They're so big. They're so expansive. You, you can't shove a verse like Deuteronomy 6.5 into a little slot. It's supposed to rule the entire scope of your life. Yep. The entire scope of what you're doing and what's coming out of you. And the entire scope really of what's going into you that is defining you on the inside. I've probably said these things before and I'll just give you a quick, you know, a, a brief brush on this one. I was reading years ago about a, a basically a Japanese philosophy. Now again, you can throw this away. I'll just take a, a minute to say it. They, they had a belief at least, at least years ago. They called it the three hearts. The, the, the first heart was the heart only you know. The heart all the way inside. That part of you that only you know. The second heart or the middle heart is the heart for your family and friends. The part of you that they see and really no one else does. And then there's that third heart or the outward heart where everybody sees together. Like when I'm standing here talking to you guys, you know, I'm kind of in that outward level. Mm -hmm. Because I'm speaking in a way that's different than when I'm upstairs with my wife and daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're all family here. So I'm partly in the middle and the outer one, okay? I'm kind of switching back and forth. When I get into speech mode, I automatically go into the outer heart, all right? But I don't talk necessarily this way when I'm at home. Uh, you know, I don't sit my wife and daughter on the couch and say, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and begin to lecture them for an hour. I, I don't do that, okay? Uh, maybe I should. No, um, but see, I just jumped back into the middle heart there. Just for a second. Okay. Anyway, 
But that, that's what happens. But see, my wife is listening to me talk right now. She knows it's me. She's not looking up there going, look at that hypocrite. He don't act that way at home. Well, she, it's, not, it's, not because, it's because it's not hypocritical. That's why, at least I don't think you're thinking. Okay, she's not thinking that good. So, you know, we're not just putting on airs here. We're not putting on a show. It's just that part of you that I show the public, if, if you will. Right. And uh, if we were outside of this room, I would probably act a little different really just showing that I'm probably in that middle heart right now. That's a Japanese idea. Mm -hmm. I'm not borrowing from Japan to find out the word of God. And I'm not going to borrow from guys like Sigmund Freud or, or Young or any of those guys, right? Mm -hmm. Don't need to. Uh, they, they uh, as far as I know, weren't even saved, so we're not going to leave those guys alone, right? Right. Amen. Okay, we'll just go right to the word of God. What does yes, it say? Lo love them with all your heart. So everything in. Yeah, the scope of your life, everything that goes out, it, it covers every part of your life. Okay? We're not talking about the id and the ego and the superego. No, we're not talking about that. Okay? We're, we're talking about the real creation of who we are. And when we start doing that, we find out some things. We find out whether our, when we read these scriptures, we find out if our relationship with God is mechanical, if it's based solely upon the rules, if it's based solely on, on emotion, or is it based solely on an idea of religion? Come on. This is the reason why we'll come into church and take up your precious time talking about a verse of scripture that we all know very well. Talking about a relationship. Right. Talking about the most important relationship in your life. Yeah. There'll never be another one better greater, more important, mm -hmm. more devastating at times than this relationship. Right. Yeah. And I say devastating because the Lord can come along with one sweep of his hand and upturn your whole life. Mm -hmm. Only because he knows whatever life you were in before is not good for you. Right. Mm -hmm. True. He'd rather put you in a more uncomfortable place uh, that's better for you than keep you in comfort, uh, which is leading you away from him. Right. So, you know, we, we, can, we can look at the New Testament and we can, uh, we can see things in the New Testament that uh, is, is quoting, Jesus quoting. I've got uh, some notes here, Matthew 22, 37. Don't go there. There's also Luke 10, 27. But I'm going to look at Mark 12, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 12. I'm going to look at that. This is one of those places where the Lord quotes this scripture, but he does not quote it the way it's written in the Old Testament. I did a little research on this uh, sometime before church. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, I did this late last night. I did this late last night. Um, I picked up my phone and I was already thinking about some of these things and these relationships and these verses. I kid you not, I pulled up my Bible app and what verse, what chapter, what verse is front line on my Bible app is Deuteronomy 6.5. I don't remember going there. I don't remember punching that in. But the Lord had already started dealing with me about that. So I grabbed my phone because I wanted to start looking up the Hebrew words and the Septuagint words and then the words that it gets quoted out of in the New Testament. And it was already there at Deuteronomy 6.5. I'm not trying to get you all spooky and mystical. I'm just telling you. I mean, when I look at stuff like that and see things like that, that lets me know of a surety. Yep, that's what God wants you to be dwelling on right now. That's what he wants. The last thing he wants to put into your brain before you go to sleep. At that, I mean, that was an indication right there. He's telling my heart, and he's already tweaking my phone to bring it up. That I think it was God that did it. Mm -hmm. But in in chapter ten of Mark, chapter uh, uh, chapter ten, verse number thirty-three, Jesus is quoting this passage out of Deuteronomy. It's not the start of a chapter, you know. It's not. It's not the beginning of a book. Uh, they didn't have things like that the same way we do today. They didn't have the chapters and verses we do now. But it was a relationship with God. It was a relationship with the Word of God that let Jesus and even uh, men of God before Jesus to know and let them know that these verses are very important. So we're looking at verse 30. And Mark, did I say Mark 10? Mark 12. Mark 12, sorry. Mark 12. I'm in chapter 10, but it's in Mark 12. Thank you, sister. 
Mark 12, verse 30. Sorry about that confusion. So let me just go back to 29. And Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and there shall none other commandment, uh, there is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Okay, I'm reading that, that extended passage just to say this. It starts off in verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked them, Which is the first commandment of all? And that's where we get into this little piece of Mark. Now, it's explored a, a little deeper in other places. It, uh, there, are, there are some passages that make you think that the guy's challenging Jesus. And this particular way, uh, Mark writes this one, he makes this guy sound like he's got a good level of understanding. Now, it could be different circumstances. It could be different people and these guys recording different times. I don't have any problem with that. But what's going on is a man is coming up to Jesus. He's hearing his words and he's saying, this guy's good. This guy knows the deal. And so he asks him in his heart a very important question about relationships. What is the first commandment? Because, you know, so, well, how is that a relationship? It's because the living God, creator of the universe, creator of your soul, told you to do something, right? Right. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, okay, based on my relationship with God, and based on an understanding that I find very important, what do you say about it? And Jesus comes along, and he does not quote either the Hebrew or the Septuagint. Okay? If you don't know what the Septuagint is, don't worry about that. That's just a Greek translation of the old Hebrew scriptures. That's all that is. Okay? Now, I happen to have the tools, and really, these days, everybody's got the tools, but I happen to know how to use those tools to go in and look up these words. I, uh, this is not a boast or a brag. I can read it in Hebrew, and I can read it in Greek, either one. Uh, I've, I've gotten an education. Thank God I've gotten a free education. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, studying with a friend of mine over the last several years. I've gotten a free education in Hebrew and Greek. Praise God. Hey, I, didn't have to, I haven't had to pay a dime for this. This guy's just giving me this education. So now at this point, I can sit there and read the Hebrew, and I can read the Greek, and I can compare the two, and I can compare how it's written in this one and this one and this one. And what I find out is Jesus doesn't quote either the Hebrew or the Greek version of the Bible they had in that day. He adds a word in there that is not in either one. Now we have the word ma'od in Hebrew and we have the word dunamis in Greek. Anybody remember, anybody ever heard the word dunamis? Yes. We, we, we heard the old timers always preach about dunamis. If there, anybody knew, a, 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 any apostolic knew a Greek word, it was dunamis, right? And anybody ever heard a preacher compare it to the word dynamite? Of course, yeah. That's an old time message. Hey, the word dunamis, it's where we get our word dynamite. The Holy Ghost is a dynamite, explosive power in our life. Yeah, I, I can do it. I can do it if I really want to. But, you know, we've all heard those messages. Right? Well, it's true. Dunamis means power, explosive power. And it just so happens we do get our word dynamite from that Greek source. Okay? And we are talking about the power of the Holy Ghost, but it's a word that doesn't just refer to the Holy Ghost. It refers to any explosive power, like dynamite. <laughs> you know, it's, it's an explosive power word. So when we look at Deuteronomy 6.5, written in the Hebrew, it's a word that means our outflows. And we translate it as strength. When we read that in a Greek translation, it uses the word explosive power. Or power that comes out of you. And yet Jesus uses a word that's neither one of those. He uses a word that means understanding. So he's talking to a scribe that knows the scripture very well. And I would imagine this guy probably knows the Hebrew scriptures if he's a scribe. And because they probably spoke a lot of Greek in those days, he probably even knew and was well acquainted with the Septuagint or the Greek 
Bible, all right? So when Jesus comes along and starts using words that are in neither version, is God wrong? Is Jesus wrong? No, he's not wrong, but he's adding to our understanding while he's talking about understanding. There's a lot of things about relationships that have to be based and predicated on certain kinds of understanding. We have to. We have to know the rules. And yet, we can't make it all about the rules. We have to have an emotional content, but we can't, it can't all be about the emotion. Because once the emotion flies away, is the relationship gone? No. Well, how about if your emotion simply changes? What what happens one week you really like your boss, so you're doing a great job, and then the next week you don't like your boss? Are you going to do a lousy job? No. We might, realistically speaking, we might, but we shouldn't according to the Word of God. We should always do our best. No matter what you feel about your boss, about our spouses, if you really like your spouse one week, you're going to do all kinds of great things. But the next week, you don't like them as much. Are you going to do bad things? No. Well, we shouldn't. No. You know, the commandment to, to men anyway is husbands love your wives. Mm-hmm. Okay? It doesn't say until they tick you off. <laughs> so the emotion can change. Right. Or the emotion can go away. There's sometimes we just feel indifferent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just feel indifferent. We got something else on our mind. Doesn't mean that we, if you really probed us, uh, yes, I love my wife and kids. But sometimes we wake up in the morning thinking, I got to do this, and I got to do this, I got to do this. Uh, morning, hon. And we just kind of keep on walking without hardly any content at all, right? right. Sorry, hon, when I do that. It's because I got a lot. Anyway, I'm using church time too. Work out our religion. No, I'm not. <laughs> so, but it happens. Realistically, it happens. Sometimes we just feel indifferent because we're not really dwelling upon them at all. The emotional content's not there, but the rules remain. You can't just walk walk into a get out of my way. I need to get to the bathroom. There's rules of behavior, right? That's not loving behavior. It doesn't matter if you're feeling the love or not. Right. I know these are, these are things we all know, but this, I'm only talking about human relationships because we're talking about a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. What if God's doing things in your life that you just don't quite like right now? Mm-hmm. Do we stop praying? No, no. You shouldn't. No. Do we stop serving Him? No. You shouldn't. Right? Yeah. You may not like to hear what God has to say in your life right now, but please don't stop talking to Him. Right. The relationship will suffer. The relationship will suffer. So Jesus comes along and he uses a word that basically means love the Lord with all of your understanding. With all of your understanding. What does the scribe say? The scribe said to him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, this scribe comes along, and he's also using the same words that Jesus is using that are in neither version of the Bible that would be available to these guys that day. So how did this scribe know that word? Well, first of all, Jesus just said it. It's not about knowing a particular word. It's about an understanding. Jesus is literally unlocking our understanding when he begins to talk about understanding. Right? We cool? So he's unlocking. Again, sometimes we come in here and we have to have more academic messages like this one. Why? It's all about learning how to get into a more emotional content, but also learning how to operate in the rules that God has set down. That's the reason why when we look at the New Testament, We see the cyclical relationship between love and commandments. It's something a lot of people, a lot of modern Christians reject, but there is a relationship between love and commandments, or if you will, emotion and actions that come out of our emotions, belief and actions that come out of our belief, and the rules. It can't be all about the rules, but you can't throw them away. It can't be all about the emotion, but you can't throw it away. Usually when you're dealing with anybody, they're going to be more tended. Most people aren't perfectly balanced in this, but by the Holy Ghost we can be. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Most people tend to be more in the emotional realm. Some other people tend to be more in the mental, reasonable, logical realm. Mm -hmm. Guess which one I'm in, usually? Anybody can take a wild guess? I'm usually in my analytical you know, realm, okay? I, I don't explore the emotion as much, but should I? Yes. So if this word is coming back to me, and by the way, it is, it should be leading me to explore the more emotional side of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus throws in a word in there that speaks right into the scribe's heart. Now, if you don't know, a scribe's a guy that writes the word of God. That's his job. He writes the word of God all day long. Your, your teachers in school probably told you when you study, write things down, right? Because that helps you learn. Well, these guys, that's all they do. They're all day long. They're writing down the Word of God. You think these guys knew the Word of God? Yes. You better believe it. That's the reason why they had a whole group of uh, people called the scribes. And there were times that even Jesus railed against the scribes, right? Scribes and Pharisees. Anybody remember those? Yeah. You don't? Go home and read Matthew 23. You'll see it a few times. Uh, he didn't have a lot of good things to say about some of those guys, but this particular guy, he, his understanding got opened up right there. He says, yes, you've spoken truth. It is good to love the Lord with all of your understanding. Amen. Mm -hmm. Because as analytical people, as, pe as people like myself that like studying the Word of God, we, we can get a lot of understanding without loving God with it. And other people might get a lot of emotional content without really getting into the rules and the regulations that you can't just treat God anyway. You can't just approach Him anyway. You can't even just come to church any old way. There are ways that you're not supposed to come into this building. That's true. Now, we're, we're talking about the whole scope spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. Anybody ever showed up to church in a bathing suit? Probably not. Uh, those are just things that we usually know already without having anybody having to tell us, right? You're not going to, you know, some girl's probably not going to traipse in here with a two-piece bikini. I don't care how worldly or unsafe she might be. There's, there's, there's knowledge. It, there's kind of intuitive knowledge. You don't walk into a house of God like that. And that just scales up for people with greater and greater understanding. But we can't just make it about physical appearance. We have to go across the board. The relationship is not just one-dimensional. Right. It's multi-dimensional. We have to have a relationship with God with our understanding. In other words, everything that God has you understand, stop trying to put it in certain categories of doctrines. He might be trying to open up a new file. Because there are rules. And there are files, and there are documents, and there are doc, uh, doctrines, right? And yet, if we make it all about there, we're, we're losing out, folks. We're losing out. Praise God. Let's, let's go to another passage before we end off today. I might, I might go to a few passages here. Deuteronomy chapter 10. A lot of these got kicked up into my heart uh, out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 10, and Deuteronomy chapter 30. But we're going to look at Deuteronomy 10 here. At least this one before we go, and maybe we'll do, uh, maybe we'll do the other verses well out of chapter thirty. But in Deuteronomy ten, if you want, you can go ahead and go to Micah six eight as well, if you like. You can kind of keep your finger in Micah six eight while we're reading and exploring Deuteronomy ten, just to save us some time. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let me just open up my heart to you here just a little bit here. What I'm feeling in my own self is this message is coming across a little dry. And you might be feeling that too. But listen, this might, we might just be in the rule side right now. Don't worry about the dryness. The Lord's still here. Amen. Anybody feel the Holy Ghost earlier? Amen. Anybody still feeling the Holy Ghost? Yes. Praise God. Don't let the academic or the mental analytical side throw you off, all right? Why don't we just take a quick praise break? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, your yes. everlasting word. Heaven and earth will praise pass away, but your word Jesus. never will. Thank you for the stability in Amen. the word Thank of God. Jesus. Thank you for the flow of the spirit. Now we can Hallelujah. come in here and see Jesus. our lives change. 
Yes, Jesus. As we pray without ceasing, as we maintain this relationship with you on every level of understanding you've ever given to us in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 10. Deuteronomy 10. I'm going to look at verse number 12. Let's see if I can get the right reference this time. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Now, I want to break that down as quickly as I can, not taking up too much more time. Look what he says. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? Well, that's a very important thing to know. Anybody agree? Yep. Yes. What does the Lord require, require of me? Well, this is one list. Micah 6.8 gives another list. Micah 6.8 says it this way. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, it's my opinion. I don't know if this is true or not. It's my opinion. Micah probably had Deuteronomy chapter 10 in mind when he was writing it. Or it was simply a prophetic word, and the Lord who wrote Deuteronomy chapter 10 through Moses is the same God speaking to a prophet to speak it to his people right. in Micah's day, right? Okay? Whichever way it happened, its origin is God. Amen. And so we're hearing similar things. We're, we're going to explore, just for a minute or two, uh, verse number 12. What does he require? Fear the Lord. Boom, big one. If you have even one doubt in your heart, one even small piece of doubt in your heart that you may not be experiencing the emotion of the fear of the Lord, then go home today. In fact, maybe even before you leave this room today, and yes, I know it's almost three o'clock, but before you leave this room today, somewhere, get with you and Jesus and say, Lord, I want to experience more fear of the Lord. So fear, of course, is an emotion. Now, when we describe the fear of the Lord, we're not really talking about being afraid. We really describe it more as an awe at his wonder. But it's still an emotion. Right. Yeah. It's kind of the feeling of, I, on, on its more negative side, it's the feeling of, I can't do anything to displease God. I must not displease God. That's part of the fear of the Lord. On the more positive end of the fear of the Lord spectrum, we could, it's more of a, a totally bedazzled by His presence. Everybody with me? Amen. And it runs that whole gamut. It goes from, I must not displease my God, to I am totally enthralled by His wonders. Right. It's all the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is such a huge subject, I'm not doing it any justice. But all just to say, it is an emotion. Right? Yep. What comes next? Walk in all his ways. That's not emotional. That's action. That's a, that's a rule. Okay? It, you know, you walk this way, you walk, there's rules even to walking. You know, I can, I can skip around, right? I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not here to make that entertainment, okay? Uh, I can skip or I can hop on one leg, but is hopping on one leg walking? Nope. Is skipping walking? No. Is running walking? No. There are rules to walking. And if you have two legs and two feet, there are rules. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care if you start with your left or your right foot. There are rules. You can't, you can't go two at once, right? Or you're not walking anymore. You're, you're hopping. Right. That makes right. sense, right? Yeah. Yep. There's rules. So we're talking emotion and we're talking mental. Emotional, mental. Let's, let's look a little deeper. And to love him, I think we can all agree that's emotional. And to serve thy God, mental. Because after all, if you even so much as go to a Wendy's after church today. Don't go to Wendy's after church today. Anyway, um, if you so much as go to a McDonald's after church today, uh, the person behind the desk you know, behind the computer screen there, taking your order, they have to know how to serve you. You have to tell them how to serve you. But part of it is their manager has to tell them how to serve you. Because they have to, before you do anything, most of the time they're required to say, welcome to McDonald's, <laughs> or whatever their 
introductory phrase. Anybody worked at anybody ever work at McDonald's? Yeah. What's the common expression? What what is it? Good afternoon, welcome yeah, to McDonald's, yeah. something like welcome that. Welcome to McDonald's, how may I help you? How may I help you, there you go. So, I mean, we even have Walmart greeters that their whole job was just to say, welcome to Walmart, yeah. or have a nice day, or whatever it is that they have to tell us, right? <clears throat> I haven't seen a lot of Walmart greeters lately. Let's explore that. You get back to me next week and talk. we'll talk about it. Anyway, but, you know, you have to know how to serve. How do you know these things? Well, your boss has told you, or in some cases, the customer has told you. I need you to serve me this way. So we're not talking about emotion. But isn't it amazing how he's talking emotion, mental, emotion, mental here. This is what I require of you. I'm requiring two sides of this. I'm requiring an emotional content from you, and I'm requiring a service or mental or doctrinal or whatever you want to think of it as. There's two sides of it. We gotta have both. I know I am belaboring this point. This is really my only point. I've been talking to you how long? An hour? And this is all I've been saying. I've been saying the same thing, just repackaging in different ways. But maybe by the time we get out of here, we'll realize if I'm not having enough emotional content with God, I need more. If I'm not having enough mental time with God, understanding, I need more. Praise God, because this is a relationship. There's a relationship. So let's, let's, let's quickly move on. I do want to do Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30 as quick as I can. And we're going to look uh, from there to Revelate, uh, Sorry, Romans chapter 2. So Deuteronomy 30 and Romans chapter 2. Deuteronomy 30. We're going to look at verse number 16. It says this. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God. So that's where John and even Paul gets this cyclical relationship between love and command. It's going all the way back to those words that were written down by Moses, given and delivered to Moses. In that I command thee this, this day to love the Lord thy God and walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. And he goes on to say some other things that we won't get into right now, but there is a more negative aspect of this, and if you turn away. But we're not going to explore it right now, but even that, listen, do it this way, things will go well. I want both sides of this. Both sides of this. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord that God, walk his way, keep his commandments, statues, and his judgment, that thou mayest live and multiply. Praise you, Jesus. I want to turn to one last scripture, and uh, this is in Romans chapter 2. I promise you this is my last one. The last one I'll turn to, I might quote some more, but uh, I won't be turning to anymore, right? Everybody all right? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, if you're good. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Romans chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Now, this I'm just using this as the last scripture because Paul is talking to Romans. He's like, it's not all in the letter, but we know things from the letter. We also know that Paul said the letter kills, the spirit gives life. We need to have the analytical side, that, that, you know, that critical side that literally chops things into little pieces. Well, if you take something alive and you chop it into little pieces, you're going to kill it. That's what analyzation does. You know, but spirit, breath, breathe life into something and it becomes alive. That's what happened to Adam. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Right? Yep. Stand with me. Jew there in Romans chapter 2 is, is a word that comes from Judah. Judah means celebration or praise. We're talking about a level of people who worship. I believe in the book of Revelation when the writer there is talking, well, when Jesus in the letters to the churches is talking about these so-called Jews. Now, I think what, one level of what he's talking about is people who are saying that they're worshipers, but they're not really. Worship is just another word for service. But isn't it funny how we often think of the word service 
as more of the mental side of things, but the word worship as the more emotional side of things. Right. Ever notice yes. that? But really, the two words mean the same thing. Well, what that tells us is when we worship Him in spirit and in truth, we're doing both. Serving Him and worshiping Him. Serving Him and praising Him. In the Word and in the Spirit. And this is what's going to bring our life in the blessing. So if there's nothing else God wants to do, we said earlier today, if there's something troubling you, if there's something bothering you, don't leave the house today. I mean that. Don't leave the house today before you get it settled. But we want to explore this in prayer. We want to explore this in prayer. I know it's after three, but we want to explore this in prayer. Lord God, look into me. Look at me today. Pray with me. You can stand or sit or come to the front, whatever you need to do. But I, I would really request, I can't make you do it, but I really 